Well, good morning, church. It's so good to have those of you that are watching online with us this morning. Thanks for being flexible. Uh, we've just had a, uh, a really cruddy morning, and, um, and so there are so many jokes that we could plug in right here uh, about our plumbing issues, uh, but I'm going to skip those for today. And, uh, but I do want to say that one of our resolutions for 2023 as a church is that we would break barriers. And so we're praying right now that God would break the barrier that's keeping our plumbing from working and exiting out of the building. So, uh, so please uh, uh, keep that in prayer. Our plum- we have some plumbers that have been here since 7 o'clock this morning working really hard and continue to work hard to fix it. And so uh, just uh, thank you for your prayers in advance for that. And uh, so uh, if you're online, I just want you to encourage you, if you're watching on Facebook or if you're on our, our live church uh, platform, just say hi to each other. Just go ahead and say, hey, this is so-and-so. We'd love to hear from you. We want to just cre- continue to create community because that's really important for us. So create community right there in the chat sections and, uh, and, and just say hi to folks. And, uh, and feel free, like if you want to say amen, say amen in the chat section. Uh, uh, and there's a few of us here that are here today, so you can continue to do that as well. And, uh, and so that'd be great. Uh, I want to welcome you back to Resolutions. Uh, that's our series, our teaching series that we're in starting the new year off. Uh, we're changing the way we change in 2023. And my prayer is, and my prayer has been from the very beginning, simply this, is that you are experiencing God in a fresh way in the new year. Like that is my hope, that is uh, what is deep down in my heart, that as we begin this new year together, that you would experience God in new and fresh and exciting ways. And uh, and we we are continuing in our 30 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, and I hope that you have joined us for that. Again, uh, I'll say it again this week, if you didn't start from the beginning, just jump in where we are now. Uh, You can download, if you don't have the book, you can download the little book. Uh, on, by going to warehousechurch.life, and it's about halfway down on the front, on the home page, and uh, and you can download it and have a digital copy and join us and just jump in where we are today. Uh, but this week, as we think about praying and fasting, I just want you to know that we've we've had a busy week. Uh, we have uh, we have confessed unforgiveness this week. We have spent a day fasting this week. We've some, demolished some things in our lives that are uh, that cause us to stumble in our faith. And so we took a day to think about what are those things, and then we demolished them. Uh, and we prayed. Uh, we spent some time praying for the people around us, and maybe specifically for people uh, around you. And so I hope that uh, that you've been jumping into this. I know that I've gotten some feedback this week, and I love the feedback. Uh, one person, Lori uh, Bricken, said. I love the day of fasting. She said, she's like, she said, I'm a day behind, so I do it at night, so I fasted the next day. She says, but it was such a good experience for her to, to be reminded uh, in, in, in those hunger pains, to be reminded of the presence of God. Uh, uh, Karen Hall has been fasting her snooze button. And I love that. I did that one year, uh, fasting her snooze button to pray more. So she spends, uh, instead of hitting the, the, the snooze button eight or nine times, uh, she gets up and she spends that time in prayer and presence in the presence of the Lord. Anita Elkins, uh, she shared how she reached out on the, on the first day to pay homage to some people who have been influence, influential in her walk with Jesus. And she reached out to them and she shared that with them. And it was a blessing to the couple that she reached out to. But it was also a blessing for her because they were like, we needed that. Like that was perfect timing. How did did you know? And, uh, and so not only was she able to bless someone else, but she was uh, blessed herself. And I love these stories, right? Like I love that, that we're sharing the stories about what God's doing, how we're experiencing God in new and fresh ways through 30 days of praying and fasting. And so my prayer is simply this, that you're becoming through this 30 day, that you're becoming more aware, 
more aware of God's presence in your life as you spend that time in prayer and fasting. And, uh, and so I love it. I hope that you're enjoying it too. And again, if you haven't jumped in, just jump in where we are. Uh, get the book online and, and go ahead and just jump in. Uh, so, but we've been talking about on Sunday mornings on our weekend services, we've been talking about changing the way we change, right? Like January is that time in our life where we always say, oh, I'm going to make some changes in my life. I'm going to do some new things. And, and, and so we've been talking about this idea of changing the way we change. And so, so far we've discovered that walking with Jesus. In week one, we said that walking with Jesus is not a project, but rather it's a process. It's a lifelong process. And, uh, and last week, we talked about this idea that it's not achieving, uh, but it's receiving, that we live in this culture that says you got to achieve first to receive. But Jesus said, no, that's backwards. You receive all that I have for you first, and then you can accomplish the things and the purposes and the plans that I have for you uh, after you receive. So we talked about it's, a, it's not achieving, it's receiving. And this week, today's truth is simply this, that it's not trying, it's training. It's not trying. The Christian life is not trying but rather it's training. And our foundational passage for this whole series uh, is in each week we read it and we talk about it is Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven. And, and I, I challenged you to memorize it. I challenged you to, to take that passage and to really think about it, memorize it, put it in your heart, store it in your heart, because I think this is so important for us as we launch into this new year, that if we're going to change the way we change, that this verse is really key, or these two passages are really key to helping us to do that. And, uh, and so I was going to ask the crowd, uh, you know, anyone want to give it a try today, but we're, we're short here, we're small, and, and, so, and you're online. So next week, I'm going to ask, I'm going to give you just a heads up, I'm going to ask anyone in person if they memorize it, just come up and share it with us. And, and I want to give it a try. I want to see if you can do it. But today, uh, you get off the hook, and we're just going to read it together. And so uh, Colossians chapter 2, and I want to read verses 6 and 7 together today. And here's what Paul is saying, and we've heard it, but we're going to keep doing it until we get it, until it like soaks down into us. Like there's a story uh, of a preacher that would preach the same sermon every Sunday. And people finally were like, like, why is he doing this? So one guy got the nerve to go up to the preacher and say, preacher, when are you going to preach a new sermon? And he goes, well, when you figure out this one, then I'll go on to the next one. And so this verse, I think, is like that. It's like we're going to keep digging into this verse until we get it, and then we'll move on. And so chapter uh, 2, verses 6 and 7, here's what it says. It says, so then, just as you received, everybody say received. received. Just as you received Christ Jesus, Lord, continue. Everybody say continue. So receive, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. And then check this out. He says, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And so in this passage, Paul uses some really interesting words. He uses some key words, being rooted and built up and strengthened in the faith. And when I think of those words, I think those of those words like they're action words, right? And, and they're words that show us that our walk with Jesus involves movement on our part. That it's not just I say yes to Jesus and everything turns into rainbows and unicorns. That's not it. That there's this movement, there's this responsibility, there's this part that we play in the Christian life. And that Paul is saying that we must be rooted up 
We must be built up and strengthened in the faith that, that we must, uh, that there's something that we must do. And I like to call this training. That Jesus and through Paul, and Paul is uh, very good at this, at telling the churches that he started and the people that he's invested in, he's saying, listen, the Christian life takes work. It takes training on our part. And in the sports world, training, and you know this, is key to becoming a world-class athlete. That any athlete that it's worth his name in salt or her name in salt uh, trains, and they train really, really, really hard. Exceptions, and he's the NFL's all-time leader in touchdowns. In other words, Jerry Rice was a football phenom, or he was a football stud. I mean, he didn't uh, get there by chance either. And I want you to hear that, that he just didn't do it by chance. He just didn't have natural ability. He didn't just say, yes, I'm going to be a wide receiver. And he was amazing. But he got there because he trained really, really hard. In the book called Talent is Overrated, the author Jeff uh, uh, Colvin, he writes about Rice. And I want to read what he says. He says, in team workouts, uh, Rice was famous for his hustle. He would typically continue practicing long after the rest of the team had gone home. Most remarkable were his six days a week off-season workouts, which he conducted entirely on his own. Mornings were devoted to cardiovascular work, running a hilly five-mile trail. He would reportedly run 10 40-meter wind sprints up the steepest part of the hill. I'm like, y'all, I'm barely making it up one steep hill walking. He's doing sprints. And he's doing 10 of them up the steepest part of the hill. In the afternoons, it said he did equally strenuous weight training. And these workouts became legendary as the most demanding in the league. So in other words, everyone knew about Jerry Rice's workouts. All the other NFL players knew it. And it says, the author says, and other players would sometimes uh, join Rice just to see what it was like. They'd like, hey, man, can I come over and can we do it together? I want to experience your workout. And the author says some of them got sick so sick before the day was over. And so what I take away from this and what I take away from Jerry Rice and how we apply it to what we're talking about today, and I want you to hear this, it's this. If we're going to be victorious in 2023, and we said, hey, as a church, we're, we're making a resolution to break barriers, break barriers in our own personal lives, break barriers as a church. And so if we're going to be victorious in 2023, we must train hard. And there is no room for shortcuts. Like as we walk with Christ, as we walk with Jesus in this new year, we need to remember that the Christian life, the Christian life isn't going from one event to another event or one project to another project on our own strength. Instead, the Christian life is a day by day submitting to God in his process of training us to become more like him. And listen, we will only change the world. And I'd encourage you to write this down. We will only change the world when we begin training for holiness like some of the finest athletes train for game day. Do you want to change the world? Do you want to make an impact in the world? Do you want to make an impact in the lives of the people that you do life with? Then we have to train like any elite athlete trains for game day. 
And so today, I, I want us to get really practical today. Like, I want us to get so practical, and I want to share seven ways today. And I would encourage you to write them down, but seven ways that God trains us, or seven ways that we can train to become more spiritually fit in the coming year. And, and these aren't seven ways to make God love us more. And I want you to hear that. They're, he's not going to love you any more than he does right now. Like, there is nothing you can do today to make God love you more than he loves you right this minute. Like, we don't do these things to gain God's love. It's there. If you've asked Jesus into your life, he loves you. He gives you all of it up front. And so you're not going to do these things to gain God's love. These are seven ways to help us love God more. These are seven ways to help us become more like Jesus. These are seven ways to help us fulfill God's purposes for our lives. And so here's the number one. The first thing that I want you to have the seven, number one is this. You got to change the way you think. You got to change the way you think. If we're going to change the way we change, it begins by changing the way we think. Romans 12, 12 uh, 2, Paul says this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So don't be like the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so in this verse, Paul is crystal, crystal clear that there is this massive connection. There's this huge connection between transformation and your thought process. That the way you think also changes the way you change. And so we must renew our mind every day. We got to change the way we think. Paul, uh, uh, Paul of that, part of that renewal is daily confessing our sins, right? Like part of renewing our mind is daily confessing the sin in our lives, the things. We're not perfect. Not one of us in here is perfect. If you're perfect, you probably need to leave because this isn't the place for you. You'll be miserable here. Because uh, this is a perfect place for imperfect people. And so we must take our sin and confess them every day. got to recognize that. That none of us are perfect and all of us have sin that we must shed. And so part of renewing your mind is confessing your sin. You ask any athlete. You ask any athlete and they will tell you that you must train your mind as much, if not more, then you train your body if you're going to be successful in your game. Ask any athlete. It's so important that we change the way we think, that we transform our mind. As, or as uh, Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, he says, he tells us to take captive every thought that comes into our minds. See, Paul knew, Paul understood what role our minds play, what role our thoughts play in transforming our lives. He's like, hey, you want transformation to take place in your life? You got to take captive every thought that you allow to enter into your mind. So you got to change the way you think. That's the first thing. The second step is this, that you got to feed your spirit. You got to feed your spirit through the word of God, through prayer, and through meditation. Like we have got to feed our spirit. Jesus reminds us of this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. He says these words. He says, it is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from where? The mouth of God. You see, Jesus knew the Old Testament, and Jesus is quoting here Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, where Moses says the very same thing. He brings down the Ten Commandments. He's sharing the commandments with the people. And he says, listen, he says, he caused you to suffer and caused you to hunger. And then he gave you manna to eat. He's talking about God. He gave you manna to eat, something in which none of you had not known before, nor did your ancestors. You've never seen this manna before. He says, and he wanted you to realize that one lives not only on bread, but of every word the Lord says. So tell me that the word of God is not important. Tell me that it's not more important than our daily bread, than, than the, the food that we eat. And you see, when we read the Bible, we should do it prayerfully. And we should read to hear his voice. Like when we read the Bible, we should invite the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this. Invite the Holy Spirit. God, I'm ready to hear from you. I want to hear from you today. Show me your word. And then we meditate on it the rest of the day. We simply, we chew on the word of God so that we gain understanding of what we read through his Holy Spirit. And, and we understand that not only what we read, but what we need to do with what we read. So we need to, we need to, re, we need to feed our spirits. And the more time, the more time that, um, that you make with the word, the more time that you read it, the more time that you pray it, the more time that you memorize it, the more time that you preach it, the more time, uh, the more of it you become. Like the more you become like Jesus, the more you take it in, the more you feed on it. You've heard that saying, you become what you eat, right? Well, if we're feasting on the word of God, the more we eat on the word of God, the more we become like it. Because why? Because it's about training, not trying. It's about training, not trying. We've got to feed our spirit through the word. We've got to feed our spirit through prayer. And we've got to feed our spirit through meditation. Number three is this. You've got to activate your faith. You have to activate your faith. We said, uh, one of the resolutions we said as a church that, that we're going to be bold in our actions. We're going to activate our faith. And faith is, a, is, is, a, uh, is an action word. It's a verb. It is obedience to God. Faith is obedience to God, and faith is living out the word of God in our daily lives. That's what faith is. It's obedience to God, even when we don't understand, and it's living out the word of God in the daily. And, and James puts it this way in James chapter 2, verse 14. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Like, can such faith save them? And Paul's arguing, can you have faith without action? Is there, is there a, such a thing as actionless faith? And which he would say no. And Paul would continue to say, we can't serve Jesus on our own, right? Like it requires faith. It requires faith to live the Christian life. And, and you can't live the Christian life on your own. You just can't. You need faith to forgive, you need faith to forgive people who have hurt you. You need faith to serve the person who doesn't deserve love. You need faith to give and to be generous. You need faith to pray for the sick. You need faith to lead someone to Jesus. It all requires faith. And the more we apply the word of God in faith, 
the more spiritually fit we become. The more we live out the word of God in faith, the more spiritually healthy we become. Just like you, um, if you were to look at someone and you were to tell if they were fit or not fit, you would look at someone uh, physically who's physically fit and you would say, well, they're physically fit because look, they got muscles, right? Like they got a gun show going on and, uh, and they have a fit appearance, they're trim, they look like they work out. And you would say that they're fit based on their appearance. And the same is true for believers, that you can measure believers by their acts of faith. Like you can measure how mature a believer is by how they're living out their faith in the world. So we must activate our faith. Number four is this, that you got to practice your spiritual gifts. You have to practice your spiritual gifts. And you see, through the Holy Spirit, when we said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit became alive and active in our lives. And as we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit uh, shares or gives each of us gifts so that we can live supernaturally like Jesus. That every one of us has a spiritual, at least one spiritual gift. Some of us have other, more than one spiritual gift. And God has given us that gift to be used so that we can live supernaturally like Jesus. So that we can impact the lives of people around us. And we are given these gifts. And I hear this. We're given these gifts to demonstrate God's love to the world. Like you weren't given that gift just for you. You weren't given that gift to hoard. You weren't given that gift to keep by your, to yourself. You weren't given that gift to, to, to just share with yourself and no one else. But God gave you that gift through the Holy Spirit so that you would demonstrate God's love to the world. Gifts make our, uh, make our lives purposeful. Gifts tell us or lead us in what God's purpose is for our lives. And when we can do something meaningful... For someone else, not only does it make us feel good and not only does it make us feel uh, inspired, but also it opens the doors for others to experience Jesus. You see, God gave you that spiritual gift, not just for you, but he gave it for you to demonstrate his love to the people around you. And this is why we want more people involved here at Warehouse Church, one of our other resolutions for 2023 is that we will become more involved as a church. And we know the leadership. We know that God has gifted you, that God has given you these gifts, and that he wants you to use your gifts to serve others. And we want you to use your gifts to serve others, to be a blessing to others, to demonstrate God's love to others. So I just want to ask you again, where are you going to serve? Where are you going to serve at least once a month here at Warehouse Church? Where are you going to find a place to use your gifts? The next one is pretty simple. You're going to like this one. It's rest. Rest. We all like to take naps, right? And Jesus, Jesus even made the disciples to lay down and to sleep. And he took naps. Like Jesus took naps. You can read it in the Gospels. He's on a boat. What was he doing? Taking a nap. And because Jesus knew the importance of rest. 
You see, studies have found that sleep is non-negotiable when it comes to concentration and when it comes to using your imagination and even emotional stability. That without rest, we become a wreck is the reality. We need rest. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but a concert violinist will make sure that they at least get nine hours of sleep before a concert so that they are totally rested. And they do that because they want to, um, they want to be mentally uh, sharp and able to give their best. And when we sleep, when you and I, when we rest and when we sleep, our souls also get rest. And when we don't rest is often when we are what? Upset or worried or anxious. And Paul had something to say about that in Philippians chapter 4. He said what? He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul's like, when you're feeling worried or anxious or upset or angry or mad, tell God about it. Like, give those things to God. And here's the promise. If you'll do that, the promise is, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, in other words, the peace of God that you'll never get, that you'll never understand, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is something that we have to master if we're going to get spiritually fit, we must learn to find rest. And part of learning to find rest is we need to tell God our needs in prayer with thanksgiving. And when we do that, then we will receive rest for our souls. So it's so important that we receive rest. So today, maybe you just need to go home and take a nap. Maybe if you're at home Maybe when we're done worshiping, you need to, not while we're worshiping, when we're done worshiping, you need to go and take a nap. Number six is this, that we need to intentionally resist temptation. We need to be intentional about resisting temptation. And this is the ultimate spiritual endurance test. Like this is the hard part. This is the running up the hill, the steepest part of the hill, right? Like this is what that is. Like Jerry Rice run up there and he did it 10 times. A couple people tried it. They puked like on the first time. I'm like, I'm not even doing it. This is the, this is the part. This is the hard part, intentionally resisting temptation. And, and so it's one that I think that we've all failed at too. We know that we have. We've sinned, so we have failed at resisting temptation. But despite our failure, it's so important to at least get, uh, train to resist temptation that it's, it's important to at least get yourself running up the hill. Every belief system, because here's what I know too, is I know that the first time Jerry Rice probably ran up that hill, he was probably sucking wind on the first sprint. But then after he trained and he kept doing it, it got easier and easier and easier over time. And the same is true of us when we resist temptation, when we become intentional. We're going to fail and fail and fail. We're not going to get it right every time. But the more that we practice, the more that we train for resisting temptation, the easier it becomes to say no. The easier it becomes to overcome the temptation in our lives. And, and every belief system, every religion uh, warns against wrong action. And, and, and for probably a good reason, because these actions and these thoughts hurt us and hurt others. And what we say, though, is the reality is that you can strengthen your spiritual life 
by intentionally resisting temptation. With this, and at the same time, while at the same time, asking God for forgiveness when we fail. So why not make resisting temptation a part of your training for spiritual fitness? I'm not going to get it right. I'm going to keep working at it. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep resisting. I'm going to be aware. I'm going to be intentional. And the more we practice it, the more we train, the easier it gets. And before we know it, we're running up that hill the first time. We're not sucking wind anymore. And then we're doing it two times. And then we're like on my 10th time and we're still not sucking wind. But it takes training to resist temptation. Jesus said to Peter in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, he said, said to him, he said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Did you catch that? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. In other words, hey, Peter, you're going to have to be intentional about this. Like if you're not watching for it, you're going to miss it. If you're not praying about it, you're going to fail at it. And so Jesus tells him to watch and pray so that he won't fall into temptation. Because here's what Jesus said next. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is so weak. Right? Like you leave here today, you're like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to resist temptation. But then your flesh gets involved. And so you got to watch and pray. So the next time that you're tempted, maybe the next time you're tempted to cause suffering to someone else, flex your spiritual muscles. Like flex your muscles and bite your tongue when that snarky remark is threatening to bust out of your mouth at that slow waiter, waiter or that slow cashier, bite your tongue. Like be intentional, watch and pray and practice resisting temptation to hurt others and harm yourself. It's so hard, I get it. It's so hard, and, but when you intentionally and carefully consider each other, uh, each action in the light of your faith, you'll slowly be able to resist temptation. You'll get better at it. It's just training. Everything that's worth doing takes work. And so the spiritual life takes work. It's hard. And, but we can overcome temptation if we'll train to resist it. The last one that I want to share with you, and I think it's probably one of the most important ones, the ones that I'm most passionate about, is find your tribe. We've talked about six other ones, but here's one that I think is so important. Find your tribe. You've heard me say it before that we're better together. I believe that with all of my heart that we need each other. We need people in our lives. We need community. And I just want to say that we've got to find our tribe. We've got to be intentional about finding people, surrounding ourselves with other people who are going to encourage us towards God. And so Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says this. The author says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Let's consider, let's stop, let's, let's think about this church. How can we spur, how can we encourage, how can we equip, how can we empower, how can we uh, um, uh, move others toward love and good deeds? He says, don't give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The author of Hebrews knew how hard it is for us to do life on our own. And we've experienced that. We've come through this thing called COVID and we've come through this thing where we were, uh, we were separated from one another. 
And the author's saying, but no, we were never created for that. We've got to find our tribe. And once we find our tribe, we've got to spur one another on to live the life that God so desires for us to live. So here's what I know. You need each other. You need people in your lives. You need to be in community with other believers. And here at Warehouse Church, we have two amazing ways that you can find your tribe. Two amazing ways. The first one is finding a team to serve on. Because when you find a team to serve on, you're creating community. You're doing life with other believers. You're serving alongside of other people who are going to spur you on, encourage you, and that you get to encourage. And so one of the greatest ways that you can find your tribe is finding a team to serve on. That's why serving's a really big deal. It's not because we want to fill every position. It's because we know that you need community. You need a tribe. You need people in your corner. And so when you find a place to serve, you find community. The second way that you can find your tribe here is through small groups. It's small groups. We have, uh, we have a saying around here that goes like this, that we believe that transformation happens best in circles rather than in rows. That's what we believe. And what we mean by that is that we are convinced we are convinced that transformation happens best in small groups. There is something special that takes place when 10 to 12 people come together in a home to pray for one another, to share in one another's struggles, to have a meal together, to read God's word together, and to live life with one another. We're committed to community we're committed to small groups because we know that small groups leads to transformation. And next month, we're going to be launching small groups. And for the first time since COVID, we're going back into the homes. Like we're so excited about getting back into the homes, back into living rooms, back into doing real life. And I'm so excited about this. But, but we need folks. We need folks who are willing to open their home to be a host for a small group, we need folks to say, hey, my home's available. And let me just share this with you. Your home doesn't need to be perfect. Your home doesn't need to be clean. Your home doesn't need to be uh, all organized. It doesn't need to be uh, a picture of a home from better homes and gardens. It just needs to be a home that's lived in. And so we're looking folks that will say, hey, I'll host a small group. And then we need some facilitators. We need some people who are willing to just get the conversation started. It's simply that. Just, hey, this is the conversation we're having. And, and you just get the conversation going and keep it on track throughout the night. So we need hosts and we need facilitators. And so if you're one of those people, maybe you're willing to do one of those things, I want you to get in touch with Michael Ellis. Find a way to get in touch. If you don't know, Facebook me or message me or email me, I'll get you in touch with them. So that you can say, hey, I'll host a home. Or I'll, I'll facilitate a group. And, uh, and so do that. But what I want you to really know right now is this. That changing the way we change, changing the way we change includes finding your tribe by serving on a team and by joining a small group. Because it's undeniable. You can argue all day long, and I'll show you time after time, that it's undeniable fact that both of those things produce transformation.
And what do we say around here? The whole reason that Warehouse Church exists is for transformation, for people to experience transformation in their lives. Listen, walking with Jesus is never ever about trying to make him love you more. You can't do that. He already loves you unconditionally. He already loves you extravagantly. He already loves you without question. Living the Christian life, walking with Jesus, it's about training. It's about training ourselves up so that we might position ourselves in such a way to recognize and receive his love and respond to his love in a way that brings transformation in our lives and the lives of the people around us. And so my prayer, my prayer for us as a church is that we might come together and train one another up so that we might be rooted and built up and strengthened in our faith. It's not about trying. It's all about training training. Will you join me this year in saying, you know what? I've been trying and I really haven't been trying that much. But today and in this year, I'm going to stop trying and I'm going to start training. Training like an athlete, an elite athlete would train for game day start changing the way I think. I'm going to start feeding on the Word of God. I'm going to start resting more. I'm going to start intentionally resisting temptation. I'm going to do all these things that we've talked about, and I'm going to find my tribe so that I might be more spiritually fit this year than I have been in any other year, so that I might discover God's purpose for my life in this year more than any other year so that I might make heaven crowded. Do you want that? Like, we get heaven. If we've said yes to Jesus, we're in. But have you ever thought about, but I don't want to be just me. Like, I want to make heaven crowded with others. Like with the 90% that live in Floyd County who aren't plugged into a church. I want to make heaven crowded. But to do that, I got to train. I got to train. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for this passage that Paul puts right in the middle of Colossians, reminding us that not only do we did we say yes and make a commitment to you, but we got to continue to live our faith out by being rooted and built up and strengthened so that we might receive our purpose in this life and fulfill that purpose and so that others might be transformed alongside of us. God, help us to be more intentional this year about training our spiritual lives. God, help us to implement the things that we need to implement in our lives. These are just seven. There's probably a ton of more. 
But Father, it really begins with changing the way we think. It really begins with feasting every day on your word and prayer and meditation so that our souls might be full. It is finding our tribe. It is resisting temptation. It is resting. It's all of these things, Lord. So God, today we just want to receive what it is that you have for us. Lord, we want to hear from you today. What is it? What area do we need to start training in? What area do we need to begin with first? Which, which hill do we need to start running up? Which weight bench do we need to start lifting on? Which muscle, spiritual muscle, do we need to start working out? Oh God, would you just speak to us wherever we are today, whether we're sitting on our couch or in the room, maybe in our car, be sitting at McDonald's, wherever we are. God, would you just show us what area of our life needs the most attention right now? Is it temptation, resisting temptation? Is it finding rest? Is it feeding our soul? Is it changing the way we think? Finding a tribe. Oh Lord, speak to us today. We love you. Amen. Well, as we sing our closing song today, and as you're at home and you're singing along with us, I uh, just want to invite you uh, wherever you're at. So if you're at home, you can make your couch, your altar. Just turn around, get on your knees, and spend time in prayer. If you're here, you're welcome up front here. And here's what I'd love for you to just pray. I'd love for you to just really be still and say, God, show me where I'm weakest and where I need to strengthen so that I can be strong. Show me where I'm weakest in my spiritual life so that I can start working that muscle out so that I might become strong.